from Stephen King's The Stand. On June 18th, five hours after he had talked to his cousin Bill Hapscomb, Joe Bob Brentwood pulled down a speeder on Texas Highway 40, about 25 miles east of Arnett. The speeder was Harry Trent of Braintree, an insurance man. He had been doing 65 miles per in a 50-mile-an-hour zone. Joe Bob gave him a speeding ticket. Trent accepted it humbly and then amused Joe Bob by trying to sell him insurance on his house and his life. Joe Bob felt fine. Dying was the last thing on his mind. Nevertheless, he was already a sick man. He had gotten more than gas at Bill Hapscomb's Texaco, and he gave Harry Trent more than a speeding summons. Harry, a gregarious man who liked his job, passed the sickness to more than 40 people during the day and the next. How many of those 40 passed it to is impossible to say. You might as well ask how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. If you were to make a conservative estimate of five apiece, you'd have 200. Using the same conservative formula, one could say those 200 went on to infect a thousand, the thousand 5,000, the 5,000 25,000. Under the California desert and subsidized by the taxpayer's money, someone had finally invented a chain letter that really worked a very lethal chain letter. On June 19th, the day Larry Underwood came home to New York and the day that Franny Goldsmith told her father about her impending little stranger, Harry Trent stopped at an East Texas cafe called Babe's Quick Eat for lunch. He had the cheeseburger platter and a piece of Babe's delicious strawberry pie for dessert. He had a slight cold, an allergy cold maybe, and he kept sneezing and having to spit In the course of the meal, he infected Babe, the dishwasher, two truckers in a corner booth, the man who came in to deliver bread, and the man who came in to change the records on the juke. He left the sweet thing that waited on his table a dollar tip that was crawling with death. On his way out, a station wagon pulled in. There was a roof rack on top, and the wagon was piled high with kids and luggage. The wagon had New York plates, and the driver who rolled down his window to ask Harry how to get to U.S. 21 going north had a New York accent. Harry gave the New York fellow very clear directions on how to get to Highway 21. He also served him and his entire family their death warrants without even knowing it. This is Gothic. Previously on Gothic. The weird thing is that this happened pretty pretty early in the evening, but as you're only about five miles out or so, the sun starts coming up over the eastern horizon. And by the time you get downtown, it's quite clear that you are, well, quite possibly in the 50s. What? Excuse me, what was your name again? Certainly, uh... Uh, Dr. Kane, Lazarus Kane. You run out to the parking lot, he like comes out after you to the to the steps and he's like, hey, but you're already on the motorcycle and you're like barreling away. 
you can head back to the boarding house and get some rest in the afternoon before the events of the evening. Sounds good. Maybe have a meal later. Yeah, uh, head back to Candace's, look over the file, and try and find some information from that that might uh, point me to what the hell is going on. You actually make it back in time for supper. There's a meal. There's a few other boarders. But afterwards and before you need to be heading down to the drive-in, you take a look at Cassie's file. Uh, and this is all after a nap as well. Okay. The file is interesting in that it doesn't have a lot of information there. It has her basics, description, age. All of her medical records are there. And this doesn't seem quite right because unless she was admitted to the sanatorium, she shouldn't have this information on file there. There are, though, some special notes that are labeled doctor's eyes only. One simple line in the midst of all, all sorts of uh, jargon that you can't really decipher. But one line stands out, and that line is, shows signs of para-enhanced abilities. Para-enhanced abilities. Okay. All right. I knew something funky was going on with that place, man. It just didn't smell right. Those people with the crazy weird red eyes, and you can see through some of them. They're... They're experimenting on psychics, man. That's what it is. Ah, I don't know. Let's go ride. <laughs> Mostly I'm, I'm putting it off until I can get with Cassie and see if there's more that I can dig out of her. So you go to the uh, movie theater? Yes, the drive-in. So it appears to be a double feature this evening. It is Vertigo with James Stewart and The Fly. Oh, sweet. I like that movie. Oh, wait, this isn't the Jeff Goldblum one. Not the Jeff Goldblum one, but the original Fly, the one that opened in 1958. Yeah. You get there about twilight. There's all sorts of shenanigans going on. A lot of people making out in cars already. There's uh, people throwing a football around up toward the screen itself. A couple of people have barbecues out, little portable barbecues, and they're cooking up stuff. It just seemed like a general good time. It's not difficult to spot Billy's truck in all of this. Right. The yellow with the red flames. Big engine sticking out of the hood. It is right next to a big old chopped and lowered Mercury. And then a, uh, an honest to God, a hot rod. This like old Ford that just has the cab left and it's all engine and tires otherwise. That must be Jared and Clive. That is definitely Jared and Clive. And as you soon find out, Jared is the hot rod and Clive is the Mercury. Cassie waves and uh, comes over and gives you a big hug, which, of course, again, elicits a glare from Billy. Hi, Cassie. How are you holding up? I'm really good. It's really good seeing you again. Yo, uh, they have really good food here. They got great uh, hot dogs and, and such over in the concession stand. And uh, popcorn. Oh, the popcorn's great. And uh, root beers. Oh, they got great root beers, but they do a great root beer float. Oh, root beer float. Mmm. Root beer floats are pretty good. So who are Billy's friends? That's Jared. She points out a guy with spiked hair. Uh, he's the one. Is that the one over by the Mercury? Leaning by the hot rod. Leaning on the hot rod. By the hot rod. Jared is the hot rod. And there's Clive. He just got his car back from the shop. And so Clive's over by the Mercury. He's okay. got slicked back black hair. And, well, his nose has obviously been broken several times in his life. Poor guy. I'll go over and introduce myself. 
Of course, say hi to Billy is again as well. Uh, you get nods from both uh, uh, Jared and Clive, and then Billy is. He looks at you skeptically for a moment, and then um, nods and shakes your hand and says, "Good to see you again." Likewise, Billy. So, what's the action tonight? Uh, well, there's a James Stewart movie. It's supposed to be pretty good. It's a it's a Hitchcock. I'm not talking about the movie. Come on. When are we going to race? Well, if we don't like the movie, then we go out. But, hey, the fly's showing afterwards, so we might stay. Understandable. Even so, after that, you know, I mean, Clive just got his car back. And Clive over there is like, hey, yeah, man, um, screw the movies. I just got the car back. Let's, uh, let's go, you know, let's go to some road. That's what I'm saying. Every time I fix up my little Luna over there, I'm always aching for a ride. Oh, you want to race that bike, do you? Says Clive. Oh, yeah. Uh, we race for pink slips around here. And all three of them laugh at that, though. Obviously not true. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you won that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, uh, but we do, you know, I mean, we, we run either for money or, um, you know, for for breakfast <laughs> at Mary's. Breakfast is easy. I want, I want... I want to wager something a little more in-depth and see if you guys are gutsy enough. Well, what do you have in mind? All right, we'll we'll put it this way. If I beat you, I don't care which one of you. I'll beat all three of you. Let's all race. If I beat you on Luna over there, you guys have to help me break into the sanatorium and dig into the records room. (laughs) What? (laughs) Come on. Shit, yeah, says Jared. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Come on, Clive. Uh, Well, that's ridiculous. Billy, you in? Um, uh, manipulate someone. All right. <laughs> uh, plus my charm. That's that's where I'm good. <laughs> I got the charm. <laughs> oh, 13. <laughs> Billy's like, looks at you, he looks at Cassie, and then he's like, yeah, screw it, I'm in. That just leaves you, Clive. You're going to be the one left out trying to uh, race your new uh, ride? <laughs> he looks around at everybody. No, I'll race. I'll race. Let's do this. Before the movie even has a chance to start, you guys head out to um, 36. Uh, You drive a little ways west to get to one of the straightaways, and by now it's fully dark. All four vehicles line up on the road headed west, blocking all lanes of traffic, although it appears to be empty as far as you can see. And, well, it's time to race. Sounds good. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Oh, wait, sorry. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday. It's time to race. So, who's Cassie riding with? Who's she going to be the good luck charm for? Oh, well, she's riding with uh, Billy, of course. Billy, of course. All right. Revving engines, squealing tires, and you are going to have to do some acting under pressure here, I think, in order to race... I don't know. Have, do you have a racing background with uh, Luna? Other than, other than, I don't know, decades on the road. Yeah, just I mean, but that's his regular driving, right? You don't normally race. Yeah, I got into a race or two back in the day. Okay. I had, I had the time where I was definitely uh, a little hellion, like to tear up the road. So, uh, revving of engines, squealing of tires, and then off you go. Act under pressure. Oh, stupid dice doesn't want to stay on the... Ooh, uh, nine, ten. Yay! A good old ten. You achieve what you want to achieve. What is it you want to achieve? So I beat him. This Luna 
is actually feels more powerful than your Luna, in fact. Right. And uh, just a squeal of tires and smoke just billows out behind the bike as you twist the throttle and take off. And you just rip through gears until you're just flying down the road. And you pull well ahead of the others. And there had already been a marker. There were some trees like way up ahead that was the, the finish line, so to speak. And you are a couple of hundred yards ahead of the others as you just plow past the trees and then hit the brakes and squeal around. Hell yeah. Do some victory donuts until they catch up. Into a couple of donuts and then you're facing the rest of them just in time to see Clive's 30s Mercury. Mercury swerve right into Billy's truck. Both of them just flip. They just like smack together and then just flip and then go end over end over end over end. Oh, they must have had bad rolls. Jared's hot rod is <laughs> right behind all this wreckage and, and he's squealing to a stop. Then you are sitting on Luna at the intersection where Highway 63 uh, meets the driveway for the um, still Hildreth uh, Sanatorium, and it is about uh, noon or a little after, whenever it was that you were there earlier. Does it look the same? Everything looks the same. What? So, big crash, and then all of a sudden I'm sitting in front of the sanatorium. Mm Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Uh, no. Damn, what the hell are you doing, Patrick? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, mind blown yeah <sighs> noon any difference in the weather does it seem like the same day it seems totally like the same day total groundhog action going on here okay trying to think about when i got to candace's so i'd probably be at candace's around noon signing in no actually um sorry i'm i meant for you to be in the driveway of the still hildreth um sanatorium whenever you were there before oh so do I see myself, or am I just pulling in again? You're just pulling in again. And I remember everything that happened. Yep. Very clearly. Absolutely. Although it's starting to fade, uh, but it seems really clear right now. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Um, pull up. Park, same place. Okay. Go through the doors. Talk to the receptionist. The receptionist says, hey, Hi. What can we help you with? She's obviously not seen you before. I was wondering if I could have a word with uh, Dr. Kane. Um, Sure, may I say who's calling? If he's available, of course. I mean, I don't want to interrupt anything. And she brings out, I mean, she goes and gets Dr. Kane. As she goes away, I'm going straight to the records room. Okay. (laughs) Act under pressure. (laughs) God. (laughs) I will let your roll hold for the picking the locks. (laughs) <laughs> and your choices. Oh, my dice changed. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That was a nat 12. So 13 with my cool. No problems getting there. And you uh, pick the locks and you're in. And this time I'm taking that whole stack. <laughs> okay. And getting the F out. You managed to do so this time without any issues. When you come back up to the lobby, uh, she and Dr. Kane are obviously looking around for the person who was there, but uh, you're not, so they go back to doing what they were doing. With my new collection of files in hand, 
I'm going. To, I'm going to the sheriff. You slip out and you head back to the sheriff's office. What do you tell him? Back to the sheriff's station. All right. I know this is going to sound really crazy, but I think the sanatorium. I think they're delving into some. I don't know how to how to put this to you, but some really crazy paranormal stuff. Uh, what's that, son? I told you, no drugs. Take a look here. Take a look. They have a file on your daughter. Shows signs of para-enhanced abilities. Look at this guy. Can I flip to a page where it says shows signs of para-enhanced abilities? Yeah, sure. And what about this one? Look at this one. Yeah, there's about there. five of those. Okay. And he's looking at them, flipping through, and he's like, what the hell? What does that even mean? Ha- para-enhanced abilities. That's what I'm talking about. Paranormal, like moving stuff with your mind and stuff like that. You mean like that boys that were playing D&D that hasn't been invented yet? Sorry. Did they even have D&D in the 50s? No, they did not. <laughs> okay, I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry, that's getting cut out. So. <laughs> um, but if you've never checked your daughter into this facility, then you can kind of understand why I'm concerned that your daughter is having a loss of time. Well, I yeah, I I definitely see a problem here. Okay, uh, well, unfortunately, I've got some things I need to deal with today, but... To More important than your daughter's life. I, I don't see that this is my daughter's life at uh, stake here. I'm concerned, but I do have some important sheriffing to do. Uh, we can go check this out in the morning, I think, and be fine. The morning might be too late, Sheriff. What if they do something to your daughter tonight? I suspect you had better manipulate someone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Actually, if you want to get him to do anything today, you're going to have to manipulate someone, or you're going to have to do something else. All right. I'll try to manipulate him then. Come on, Sheriff. It's for your daughter. <sighs> Damn. That's only a seven. What he's willing to do is do it in the morning. He He's going to do it. He's just unwilling to do it right this second. What you get the impression of after he hems and haws about it for a little while is that he wants to definitely be prepared because the doctors at the Still Hildreth are pretty important in the community. He doesn't want to just like run in. He wants to examine these files and he wants to really have his case prepared. Is, is there anybody else you know in town that could help us with any information on the sanatorium? past worker, uh, a doctor that uh, has had differences with them, anything like that in town? Um, not that I know of offhand. Yeah, I don't I don't think that he would know of anything. Okay. All right, Sheriff. Morning it is. All right, son. That's a good call. Now you leave those files with me. Did any of the other names on the files stand out? Were, like, any of them Billy's crew? Um, no. Okay. Who has had the most information so far? Candace knows some stuff around town. Screw it. I'm going back to the sanatorium. This time I will leave my bike kind of hidden out by... You have, you're you getting kind of tired so you, because you have been up all night. Right. And possibly for two nights. Yeah, okay. Go back, rest at Candace's, and maybe see if she has any more information about the sanatorium that I asked about the first time that I'm asking about again. She tells you general history, uh, military academy. Anything that stands out from the history? But no, there's nothing there. Has there been any new doctors working currently at the sanatorium? I'd say investigate a mystery here. 
to get the answers to the questions you want to get. All right. Damn it. I need a flatter surface. <laughs> oh, 10. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. That's hole two. But I'm talking to Candace. Well, you're talking to Candace. You have the information from the files that you read. You have access to other town records, the library. And when you investigate a mystery, it doesn't necessarily mean you're limited to just right. what you happen to be doing right that second. The investigative mystery move is based on Willow and uh, Buffy. Well, not so much Buffy, but Willow and Giles all, you know, sitting around in the library, you know, digging through books and, and such until they find out stuff. And... The stuff that you begin to put together... Searching City Hall and town records and stuff like that? Doesn't really until you... You're like, you're like getting frustrated. And you're like running your hand through your hair. And you, you just jam your hands in your pockets. And you're about to like go grab a beer or a coffee or something. <laughs> and you jam your hands in your pockets. Your hand hits your phone. You pull out your phone and you look at it and you think, hmm, well, why not? You type in Cassie Sutherland's name into Google and it comes up. There's just a very brief amount and it's only because she happened to die in the custody of uh, the uh, Still Hildreth Sanatorium at age 34. 34, so quite a few years from now. What she does not do is die in a drag racing accident on Highway 36 at age 19. All right, I'm going to play out the rest of the afternoon. I, I, I assume it's later in the afternoon, closer to evening now. Sure. It's whenever you want it to be, man. Had my rest, talked to Candace, did a little digging. Um, I'm going to head toward the movie theater, then, the drive-in, and try to find Cassie. There's a double feature showing this evening. It's Vertigo and The Fly. Vertigo with James Stewart. And I see a bunch of jocks throwing around football. They're throwing I around see a bunch football. of nice cars. And up toward the <laughs> front, there's three very distinctive cars. The yellow pickup with the flames, the mercury, and, of course, the hot rod. Cassie sees you and comes over and gives you a big hug, at which point Billy gives you the eye. Of course he does. Hey, Cassie. Hey, Billy. Jared. Clive. <laughs> it's nice to meet you guys. Listen, you guys want to blow this movie and go racing? I'm going to have to go with the same manipulate uh, roles that you had before, and you are able to do so. Yes. <laughs> And so, yeah, you convince them to go, and off you go to Highway 36. All right, here's the thing. You guys look like you can beat me, so you willing to let Cassie ride with me so that I can get a little bit of extra weight on my back tire? I mean, you guys are going to blow past me anyway, but I need a little help. Mm. I'm not trying to move in on your girl, Billy. Don't give me that look again. <laughs> All I need is the extra weight. Well, you know what this is, of course, with Billy, because the other two don't care. But with Billy, it's definitely manipulate someone. Manipulate someone. Oh, shit. <laughs> Dice on the floor. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, geez. Okay. All right. 14. <laughs> 14. Very good. Cassie's all about it. She's like, oh, Billy, I want to ride the bike. I, you know I love you, me. And, and she kisses him. And, but eventually he, he gives over. And so she gets onto the bike behind you. And before we get going, Cassie, the guy in the truck 
What did he look like? Uh, I, uh, what truck? The guy in the truck that dropped you off on the road. What do you mean? The other night. Last night, sorry. Last night, right before I picked you up. You picked me up last night? Cassie, listen. I believe that you have interesting abilities. And I think you can help me get back to my friends. The only way I can think is that it has something to do with this road and you and being able to get to a certain point in this road so that we can continue on. And I got to get back and I just need your help. So just hang on and think about whatever you think about when you go on these rides because we're going to go racing down this road and I may never see you again. But I'd like to give it a try. I'm not sure I want to ride on this motorcycle now. <laughs> Um, okay, she says. All right, hold on tight. And we race. Revving of engines. Revving of engines. Smoking of tires. Peeling of rubber. Peeling of rubber. The smell of it. Oh, I love the smell mm. of it. And the three cars are off. Well, the three cars and the one motorcycle are off. Two per lane. Some of them onto the side of the road, kicking up gravel as uh, you all rush down the highway. How are you playing this? Are you trying to win, or are you going to hold back? Or Still trying to win. Okay. I am because uh, Cassie is now with you. I'm going to make you do another act under pressure because things have changed. Act under pressure it is. It is a seven. Uh, this one you don't get any choices on. This is just how this happens. Okay. You see your moment, and you pull ahead. As you do so... The Mercury and the pickup swerve just slightly, just barely tink one another. But it's enough at these speeds that they just flip. Something happens and they just flip one after another, after another, after roll, after roll, after roll, right behind you. The crashing, the the flames that begin to, to boil up right behind you, all of it is so close behind. All of this causes you to swerve and you hit the ground and you slide across the finish line because you succeeded. You slide across the finish line, Luna going way ahead of you as you yourself go tumbling end over end until you wind up in the ditch having lost a few moments of time. And you look over and you see Cassie and she is on her hands and knees and she's standing and she staggers and she falls to her hands and knees again and then she stands and she staggers a bit more and she looks back at where the truck and the mercury are burning and she like drops to her knees and starts screaming and you pass out when you wake up you are claustrophobic you're you're panicked because you are breathing dirt and you dig your way out of this dirt that you're under you clamber to your feet covered in dirt and mud and you're in a cemetery that cemetery there on just north of downtown macon yes what was that road uh the 606 the first thing you see is luna your luna parked under a tree not far away the second thing you see as you look around is a tombstone one right beside where you just dug yourself out of that says cassie sutherland and it gives the dates that your google search gave for her but on top of the gravestone is your jacket and your gloves whoa that was a serious trip man hey there sojourners 
This episode was a little shorter than normal, but don't worry, we've got a little special bonus content for you. I've sat down recently with a friend of mine, Richard Southard of the Adventurer's Vault podcast, and we had a little fireside chat about our various games. Richard and his crew, they broadcast out of Springfield, Missouri, my old stomping grounds, and I enjoy listening to their adventures in Pathfinder 2.0, and I think you would too. So stick around and join us in the shadows. The Gothic Podcast is produced by C. Patrick Nagel, with theme music by Zoe Hovland and cover artwork by Jared George Art. Listen to The Gothic Podcast on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow The Gothic Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or email us at thegothicpodcast at gmail.com. Support for The Gothic Podcast comes from you, our listeners, so please visit our Patreon page. Thanks. Mm-hmm.